0: Jesus, we've just been throwing you right now, and we're just so grateful for all that you've done for us. Thank you that you are the God of this city, the city of Quincy and the city of Boston and all the towns in between. Thank you for what you're doing in our midst and in this place and in this city. Help us to be part of that, Lord. Help us to go from this place energized and ready to do what you've called us to do. Be with Mike as he comes and speaks to us now, and just fill him with your words and with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Amen. Um, I really am happy to be in a place where uh, we don't just worship together as students, but we can have our faculty, staff, and administration help uh, lead us. Christ together. So, let's just give them a hand real quick. Thank you. All right. So, a um, couple of you might remember two years ago, uh, towards the end of the year, Dr. Massey gave a, uh, a, uh, a message on uh, children's book. And so, uh, shout out to him, because, uh, you know, he's my advisor and I have a paper due today. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so we're going to be kind of going in that same direction. And so um, when I was little, I loved to read. But even more than that, I loved being read to. Um, My mom read me all kinds of books. And Athena, you remember some of these. Um, Goodnight Moon, personal favorite. I had like the three-foot-tall version that was like bigger than me. Oh, it was great. Um, I'll Love You Forever. This this one, I know, it still makes me cry too. Um, I don't cry. Uh, This next one was my personal favorite because I never, ever had anyone... In like the media or on TV that I saw that had the same name as me. So when I saw Horton Hatches the Egg in the bookstore, I tweaked out. You know, this is a great. And he always had that quote. You know, um, uh, what was that? It's completely blank. Oh yeah, I meant what I said, and I said what I meant. An elephant's faithful, 100%. And so you boys might be able to sympathize with the next one. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah you tell all the stories to the girls in your class, and they'd start crying and run and tell a teacher? Or was that just me? Um, okay, so the next one is my personal favorite. I read the entire series. Yes. Amen. Amen. And now, the biggest one, possibly one of the biggest things to sweep our generation. Emma Watson. No, no, wait. Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Harry Potter. All right. So, but um, these are all great books. But my number one favorite book of all time would have to be The Little Engine That Could. Yes. Um, my mom read it to me like every day. I had, this, I had this bad boy memorized before I even knew how to read. It was pretty cool. Um, and so basically, uh, for those of you who might be unfamiliar with the story, there's this happy little train that's filled with uh, toy animals and dolls and trinkets, books, healthy food, candy, and all kinds of good stuff for uh, the children that lived on the other side of the mountain. And uh, as this happy little train is chugging along joyfully, uh, she suddenly stops. No explanation, her wheels just aren't going, and you know, she's like, what the heck just happened? Um, no, nothing. And so she's feeling trapped and helpless and stranded. So she's stuck there, and she needs to get the goodies to the kids on the other side of the mountain because they're all good little boys and girls, and they deserve little treats. Amen? <laughs> Amen? Amen. Okay. All right. No, amen. Um, (laughs) So uh, while she sits there, stranded and helpless, three other trains just pass on by. She asks each of them to help her to get across the mountain so she can make her delivery. And each time they let her down, they're like, no, I got other things to do. Um, But uh, things are looking pretty badly for these poor children and for this poor little train that's stuck in the middle of nowhere um, until one little engine, this tiny little thing, just comes chugging along and he's like, she's like, hey, I can help you. And so the day is saved by this tiny little insignificant train that just comes along, didn't think he could do it, but that's basically uh, the story. Um, pulls the happy little train over the mountain, the day is saved. Now there's a ton of biblical and spiritual themes that you can draw from this story, but we're only going to talk about a couple specific ones today. Um, let's start with the first train that passed by. We'll kind of take these one by one. Um, his first train uh, was a shiny new engine. Uh, yes, right there. Um, and his, his excuse for not wanting to help when asked was... We're going to have a little story time right now. I've been, I've been planning this for weeks. This is pretty amazing. Um, the shiny new engine snorted, I pull you? I'm a passenger engine. I've just carried a fine big train over the mountain with more cars than you'd ever dreamed of. My train has sleeping cars with comfortable berths, a dining car where raiders bring whatever hungry people want to eat, and parlor cars in which people sit in soft armchairs and look out of big plate glass windows. I pull the likes of you? Indeed not. And off he steamed to the roundhouse where engines live when they are not busy. That doesn't really make much sense. He's got nothing to do, but he's just like, eh, I'm, no. You know, um, so this is basically him saying, even though I don't actually have anything to do, I don't want to lower myself to your level or associate myself with the likes of you because I have a reputation and a status to uphold. Now, how many times do we do this when one of our brothers or sisters stumbles? Like, say, the, uh, the Christian father who disowns his son once he finally gets up the nerve to tell his family that he's gay. Or the, the, the ENC student who gossips about the girl with a bad reputation You'll never guess what she did this weekend. How many times are we guilty of that? I know I'm guilty of that. I think everybody in this room can, can think of at least one time when we've done something like that. Um, and so as Christians, and even as good people, this sort of arrogant behavior is, is inexcusable. Who gave us the right to think that others are worth any less? Or who are we to air everyone else's dirty laundry when we've got three baskets full of our own garbage? Um, And unfortunately, part of this is due to us not completely living up to biblical standards. I mean, none of us are perfect, let's be real. Um, It's hard to to achieve or to think that we can attain the perfection that is Jesus Christ, but that's not something that should uh, leave us in defeat. Um, But also, part of this is because we're all guilty of seeing life through specific lenses. Um, I see life through the lens of a mixed heritage, college-educated, middle-class, politically moderate Christian male in America. Uh, Come on, I said that really fast. That was impressive. Thank you, thank you. Um, And so shame on me if I let that lens keep me from humility and from extending grace to others. Shame on me if I let my lens cause me to judge or view others to be beneath me. Um, This brings us to the second train. It's a big, strong engine. Um, When asked if he could help, he said, I probably should have left this open. All right. A big, strong engine bellowed, I'm a freight engine. I've just pulled a big train loaded with big machines over the mountain. These machines print books and newspapers for grown-ups to read. I am a very important engine indeed. I won't pull the likes of you. And the freight engine pulled off indignantly to the roundhouse, same place that the other train went. And so, uh, similar to the last one, he's so concerned with all these big things that he has to do for these important people that he can't take a minute out of his day to stop and help someone who actually needs his assistance. And so um, the third train comes along. And this is a a rusty old engine that looks a bit old and tired and they're not really sure if he can really make it over the mountain. But they ask him anyway because these children need these goodies and because they're good little girls and boys. Um, So his excuse is, uh, I'm so tired. I must rest my weary wheels. I cannot pull even a little a train as yours over the mountain. I cannot, I cannot, I cannot. And off he rumbled to the roundhouse, chugging, I cannot, I cannot, I cannot. Now, this is where the story gets a bit interesting. Um, I'm sure you've already picked up. It's got a bit of a good Samaritan feel. You know, person A's in trouble, three people who can help pass by without even batting an eye, and, and then the most unlikely character comes to, to their aid. Now, there's, a, there's this story that I found online, and uh, it's a true story, and I think we all can relate to it or at least admit to uh, noticing something like this happening in our churches and just in our daily lives. Um, it's called Someone Else. Um, a church was saddened to learn the week this week of the death of one of its most valued members, someone else. Someone's passing had created a vacancy that would be difficult to fill. Else had been with them for many years, and for every one of those years, someone did far more than a normal person's share of the work. Whenever there was a job to do, a class to teach, or a meeting to attend, One name was always on everyone's list. Let someone else do it. Whenever leadership was mentioned, this wonderful person was looked to for inspiration as well as results. Someone else can work with that group. It was common knowledge that someone else was among the most liberal givers in that church. Whenever there was a financial need, everyone always assumed someone else would make up the difference. Someone else was a wonderful person, sometimes appearing superhuman. Were the truth known, everybody expected too much of someone else. And now that someone else was gone, they wondered what they were going to do. Now, someone else left a wonderful example to follow, but who was going to follow it? Who was going to do the things that someone else did? The pastor then told his congregation, when you were asked to help this year, remember, we can't depend on someone else anymore. And so I think this story rings true no matter where we go, um, particularly in the Christian community, in our churches, in ENC, um, Anywhere, I And mean, did people generally have this attitude, like, you know, I, I'd like to help, but can't someone else do it? Um, don't let opportunities slip away because you're, letting, you're waiting on someone else to take the reins. Remember that the only thing that the enemy needs to triumph is for good people to sit around and do nothing, waiting for someone else to step in. Um, and so enter the little engine that could. Picture a small blue train, it's not very big, not very strong, probably made by Tonka. Um, Never really pulled anything big or important in his life, or in her life, rather, because it's a female in the book, with girl power. Um, And (laughs) she's really never even left the train yard before. Um, She knew that if she didn't help out, someone else would be let down. Someone else would lose out. These little kids would not get their toys and goodies that they deserve for being good little girls and boys. Um, and I, I think about this every time I pass by, oh, I almost fell over, um, every time I pass by a homeless person. Should I give them money? Um, are they just going to use it to buy alcohol and cigarettes? Uh, should I get them, a, a, like, a food instead? I mean, it's not an easy decision. I'm sure we all, I'm sure we all wrestle with this from time to time. Um, and I don't know if there's necessarily a right answer to this question. I mean, I'm not, a, again, I'm not a theologian or anything like that. Um, but I, I, it's a hard question. I mean, Can I get an amen? Oh, come on, y'all can do better than that. Can I get an amen? Amen. Thank you very much. Praise the Lord. Um, (laughs) Now, I don't know if there's a right answer to this question, but I do know that there are ways that we can reach out to the homeless and the needy. Um, I mean, here at ENC, we have open hand, open heart. They go into Boston every Saturday. Um, They bring food and clothing and and just spend time with uh, the homeless in Boston. Um, Shane Chamberlains led that this year. Um, You know, that's just one way. One, one, one way that, they, that we can uh, reach out to the needy. Because um, Jesus does call us to to tend to the poor, and to the sick, and, the, and to the helpless. Um, and so I didn't ask my friend permission, but I'm going to tell this story, and I hope that she's not too mad at me. Um, uh, a friend of mine was riding the T uh, a couple months ago, and she was sitting across from a homeless man. And this homeless man's hand was bleeding, and he was, like, picking at the scabs, and, and you know, just kind of gross-looking. Um, he pulls out this bottle of vodka, and uh, some guy just started yelling and swearing at him about drinking on the train. It's broad daylight, there's kids around, and he's dropping f words and all these kinds of things, just really just being a mean, horrible, nasty person to this homeless guy. I mean, granted, he shouldn't have been drinking on the train, kids around with middle of daylight, but you know the, this guy could have treated it a little better. Um, and so th- this, this this guy's still yelling at him and saying, you know, I'm gonna follow you off the train, beat you up, da, all this stuff. But of course, he's just blowing off steam. He gets off at the next stop. Thank goodness. Um, and so my friend started talking to the the homeless man about how it really isn't good to drink. You know, she just starts up a conversation. It just kind of gets to that. Um, and 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 what this guy, what what the man said to her is is really powerful. I want you guys to listen clear, listen closely to this. Um, he said, "I know it isn't good, but it makes me feel good." He said, "It's easy for pretty girls like you to get people to love you, but not for me." All I want is to love and to be loved by somebody. All I want is to love and to be loved by somebody. Now stop and think about that for a second. Um, I think all of us in here can say that we are loved by at least one other person on this earth. Um, if you think hard enough, you can, I'm sure you can think of somebody that you can say genuinely loves you and genuinely wants to look after you. Um, no matter how far or near they may be. Um, but this man had literally nobody. Out of the 7 billion people in the world, there was not one other person that he could think of. No family, no friends, nothing. He was all alone. Um, and so this is where our call as Christians come into play. Uh, when everyone else on the train either, either moved away from him because he, he smelled bad or, or began cursing him out for being dirty and for drinking on the train... Um, this friend of mine heard the Lord calling her. She said, or he said, you know, you need to go talk to this man. And she didn't know why, but she did. I mean, she didn't know if he was dangerous. She could have been stabbed or something. You know, you don't know what happens because it's just somebody. It's a stranger. Um, but she listened, and she was enriched by the experience. Um, and so these are, these are the things that, that happen when we listen to God's instructions. Um, he blesses us, and he blesses those people around us. Um, and I'm not trying to preach a prosperity gospel, but ju- it's just one of those things to think about um, the, the, the experience and, 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 and just um, being there for others is so crucial. It really is. Um, and so back to, this, back to this little blue engine. Despite her weakness, despite her inexperience, and despite her lack of comp- confidence, she took up her cross and reached the desperate little happy train. Um, and knowing that she might be biting off a bit more than she could chew, she pulled herself right over that mountain saying, I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. Do you all remember that part? Yeah. Oh, come on, you all got to wake up. Do you guys remember that part? Yeah. All right, thank you very much. Um, but for Christians, for us Christians, it's a little different, isn't it? Um, we know that there are just some things that we cannot do on our own. There are some things that God wants us to do that we either you know, think we aren't good enough or experience enough for that uh, we just don't want to give up. Like, God, I know you want me to stop playing Call of Duty so I can go out and do homeless ministry, but I, 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 don't know, I, I got headshots all the time. I just can't do it. I, modern warfare, too. I'm sure you understand. You know what I mean? Like, can't we come to some sort of agreement? Um, and then there's the, the, God, I'll do anything for you, but I will never, ever become a missionary. Ever. I like America. No, I'm sorry. Um, But, you know what I mean? Like, these are the things that we say. And I know I've said said them all a ton. I'm sure we've all done it. I mean, but uh, we make these excuses because we either can't believe that we're the ones for the job or we just don't want to do it or, you know, why can't someone else do it? Um, but then you've got to think of, of these, these, these men in the Bible, like like Samuel, who was just a child, who was like eight years old or something like that, just trying to get a good night's sleep, and God starts knocking. He's like, hey, hey, I want you to do this. He's like, what? The, what? You know, um, but David, um, he was the youngest son. His father stuck him in the fields all day to keep him out of his hair, because he had like 12 older brothers. They were all big, strong men. He's this little run that just likes to play with sheep and his slingshot and whatnot. Um... <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, these are the men that were called to do great things. And and were they not ill-equipped and inexperienced when they were called? Um, They became some of the most powerful men in the land during their lifetimes. But they had to start somewhere. And one thing I've noticed is that God tends to ask the most unlikely people to lead. Like Moses, for example. He was born during a time when Pharaoh was killing all the baby boys in the land. So his mom sticks him in this tiny little wicker basket, sticks him in a river that's filled with crocodiles, and he just happens to float down to the palace gets raised in the palace, um, kills an Egyptian soldier, runs away from the palace, spends 40 years in a Midian desert tending sheep. The man's got a speech impediment like no other. He can barely get through a sentence. I mean, he's worse than I am right now. Um, And then so, out of nowhere, this flaming bush just asks him to walk up to Pharaoh and say, hey, you should free all the Jews from slavery. Kind of sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? Um, But these are the things that God asks us to do. And when we listen just like with Moses, just like with David, just like with Samuel, he blesses that. And he gives us victory through that. Um, my freshman sophomore year, I mean, I know I did some messed up stuff. Um, we talked about that a little bit in the fall. I'm not gonna go into details now, but that's irrelevant. Um, but if it was based on track record, I shouldn't be let anywhere near the SGA office, much less be president of the whole organization. And thank you for letting me serve um, for this year but through the transforming grace of God that transcends all human understanding, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Um, and so in our case, as believers, what the little engine that could was actually saying, and I have to warn you guys, this is kind of corny, and I asked, I asked Corey about this before, I was like, Corey, I don't know if I should do this, this is kind of lame. He was like, no, just go for it, but tell them that it's corny ahead of time. It works. So I was like, all right, Corey, I'm trusting you on this. I'm trusting you. And so when the little engine that could, was saying, I think I can, I think I can, in our terms, what he was actually saying was, with him I can. With him I can. With him I can. Say it with me. Do the motions, too. (laughs) With him I can. With him I can. With him I can. Hey, you were right. That actually worked. (laughs) All right, thank you. All right. Um, And so with God... I can do all things. And I believe that this story is a call to action for believers. It's telling us that we cannot sit and wait for someone else to do the work that God has called us to. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says that we are the body of Christ. And just like our physical bodies, the body of Christ is intricate, with everything intertwining and working together, and there's cogs and wheels and gears and all these things that just function as one single unit, even though they all have an individual separate purpose. And so every part, no matter how small, has a purpose, and was created for a specific reason. You have a purpose. You are here, and you were created for a specific reason. You are at ENC. You are alive today to fulfill a specific purpose. And don't let anyone try to tell you otherwise. And so in verse 25 and 26 of that chapter, it says, The way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Every part dependent on every other part. The parts we mention and the parts that we don't. The parts that we see and the parts that we don't. Now this is where it gets interesting. I want you to listen closely here. If one part hurts, every other part is involved in the hurt and in the healing. If one part flourishes, every other part enters into exuberance. Now I'm just going to repeat one line of this real quick because this, this is really interesting. If one part hurts, every other part is involved in the hurt and in the healing, And I think this is the part that we sometimes miss as a church. Not all the time, but sometimes. Um, sometimes we get so caught up in the fact that somebody sinned, or as we like to say in the Nazarene church, stumbled in their walk, um, we completely forget the last part of that statement. Now, who is going to be there for support during the healing process? Why is it that when we hear that a pastor cheats on his wife or is addicted to pornography, all we do is talk, talk smack about him and, or gossip and call him a false witness and, and sever all ties to him and his family? Now, I believe this passage right here says that we need to be right there on the front lines with him and with his family and with everybody involved. We need to be praying with them. We need to be encouraging them. We need to be guiding them through the healing process. And most importantly, we need to be loving them. So let's put aside our busyness, put aside our status and our reputations, and put aside our pride and our comfort zones, self-centeredness and our gossip, and reach out to those who need help. And this can be anything from working at an AIDS orphanage in a third world country to just giving somebody a hug when they're looking like they're having a bad day, <laughs> whether you know them or not. And, and so as we finish out the school year and go our separate ways for the summer, and, and as some of us are graduating in 17 days, holla, yeah, can't wait. Um, remember that there is no task too small, no deed too insignificant, because the Lord sees everything that we do. And sometimes it's the small things that mean the most to the people who need it. And no matter how ill-equipped you may feel, doing the right thing, following Christ's example, and loving the unloved and the unlovable, and just anyone who needs loved, which, in case you didn't know, is everybody. Um, Obeying God's instructions will always guide you down the right path. And if He's whispering in your ear, don't ask questions. Just go. You know. Sometimes I'll say, you know, sometimes I'll get one of those like, "Hey, you should go over and tell that person that they make you smile every time you see them." I'm like, "What? That's, I don't know Matt Brown. That's that's weird." Like, not, like. I don't, I don't know, like this, that's, God, I can't do that. And, you know, and then as soon as I start saying no and asking all these questions biting, fighting them, I'll see somebody else go right up to that person say the exact same thing that I was supposed to. And I'm just like, that should have been me. Dag nabbit? Like, what the heck? You know, and, it's, and, that's how, and that's one of those things where you kind of realize those God moments that you miss out on. And it, it really kind of, you kind of feel bad about yourself. Not bad about yourself, but you kind of feel like you failed a bit, almost. And so I don't want that to happen to anyone anymore. Um... You know, when you hear him calling, when you hear that little voice in your ear, just do it. You know, don't ask questions. Don't be afraid to step out and lend a helping hand. Um, Yeah, how much time do we have? Oh, good. Perfect. Um, And there's, now there's a song by one of my favorite artists um, that speaks directly to this call. He's not a Christian by any means um, at all. But the message of this song says that we need to reach out and help the world. There's no time to wait. If you're out there, you can be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. I believe it should be ready to go any second now.